Association. 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 That was such uber ponage. Hello, fellow nerds. Welcome to the Nerd Association podcast from the WBNS FM studios in Columbus, Ohio. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Finch. And I'm the other one of your hosts, Daniel Barnett. And Chops, we're doing things a little bit differently this week because as we were preparing for this episode, there's just there's a lot to talk about. This episode's a little bit more like the like daily sports show, you know, that we do at the fan where it's like, yeah, topic, move on, topic, move on. And that's kind of how we're running today. Because we're known on this show for talking about, you know, we talk about Star Wars, we talk about Marvel, we talk about uh, those things are the two biggest things and they keep most people mm-hmm. busy. We talk about, you know, what is the hottest thing coming out on the streaming service. Well, the last week has just been uh, a whole lot of that kind of stuff, primarily because of Disney Plus Day last week. Yes. So obviously you're talking about Home Sweet Home Alone, the <laughs> sixth installment of the Home Alone franchise. Oh, there's no way it's the sixth. They've made I that many of these those crappy movies. There's so there's definitely a third. I like I've seen I know the about three. one, two, and three. Yeah. There was yes. a fourth and, and then a fifth. I think there's a fourth that was just kind of forgotten. <laughs> there was a fifth. I think it's the Direct fifth. This one might be the, There might only be five. Yeah. And it was like supposed to be like a backdoor pilot. Like it was supposed to introduce the Kevin McAllister character again. Gotcha. And then like become a children's television show, but that didn't happen. Okay. Well, whatever. Yeah. It's either fourth or fifth, this one. That's not what we're talking about, but uh, we are going to kind of dive right in. Rest assured, longtime fans, we will still get into our word association, nerd association later in the episode for our sort of main topic. The thing we intended to discuss in depth this week, but... We do have to talk talk about we have to talk about Disney Plus Day and some of the big mentions for Disney Plus Day and of course some of the trailers that resulted from that. Um, Chops, I want to start with what we got the sort of the smallest little nibble of, but one of the things that I'm the most excited about, which is the Obi Wan Kenobi television series, and we've we've talked about on this show about how it's coming, how we're excited about it, and and obviously when. The day comes, we're going to get really in depth on why that is such an exciting television show, and the, is it the meant nitty-gritty. to be? Is it meant to be viewed as like a mini series? Is it supposed to be one and done? Yes, my, that's my understanding. Yeah. So it'll be yeah. I, I, those are fun. I mean, that's obviously been like streaming has really allowed that to happen. Just kind yeah. of pivot TV shows into like long movies, and that's you know squid game we, we talked about that a few weeks ago that that was kind of a good example of that where it's like it's really just a long movie although they and... say now season two is coming Ooh. so i do think i mean it's one of those things where like if i anticipate the obi-wan kenobi series mini series whatever you want to call it will get a lot of hype unless it's just terrible right. and so i think disney is disney and if it makes gets a lot of views they might consider making a second one i have a feeling it's going to be kind of a self-contained story but what we got from Disney Plus Day was not even footage, but like a sizzle reel. And it was just Ewan McGregor being super charming, as he usually is. And <laughs> right. Deborah Chow, the director, who directed an, a number of well-received episodes of The Mandalorian. And some concept art, which at first I didn't realize was concept art. Because the very first image they show is of Ewan McGregor as an aged obi-wan kenobi and it was such a good realistic drawing that i was thought it was footage and was like <laughs> but it's it's you know it's just them talking about you know you and mcgregor talking about how 
folks are have been pushing for this character to make a return and how he's so excited to be making movies with Hayden Christensen again because it's no surprise to anyone at this point I hope that they are bringing back Hayden to play Darth Vader I'm in and out of the suit is my understanding mm. Hayden Christensen's a pretty big boy I mean he's not broad obviously the original Darth Vader was like a seven foot tall bodybuilder but yeah. Hayden's tall enough certainly to to be imposing in that suit so technically, in the first three people, it took three people to play Darth Vader because James Earl Jones doing the voice, a giant guy in the suit, and then whoever who played like the pale guy with the helmet off. Correct. Yeah, there were three different actors in the original trilogy that played the the voice, the body, and the face of Darth Vader in yeah. uh, in the the prequel trilogy. It was Hayden in the suit for the limited amount of time that they showed Darth Vader in the suit. But it was James Earl Jones who did the infamous no line, right? It was. And here's another thing. In Rogue One, it's James Earl Jones on the voice, but it is the, oh, shoot, what's his name? It's a professional wrestler, an Irish guy uh, who was in the suit. Who's just Seamus. Seamus, thank you. Just big dude. Yeah, I don't know why I know that. I'm not a big wrestler fan. We've talked about it before, I think, on this show. Anyway. (laughs) That's funny. Anyway, it just, it sated you know, it sated my excitement for for this show. They did hint that the Inquisitors, which are a big part of Rebels, the Inquisitors are this sort of not quite Sith, but Sith-trained group of Jedi assassins mm-hmm. that work under Darth Vader, and it's their job to go out and hunt down and kill all the Jedi that were remaining after the Purge, or Order 66. I have a question about yeah. Sith real quick. It's off-topic kind of, but there's that... There's that adage that only Siths, only Siths deal in absolutes, but isn't that like an oxymoron? <laughs> yes, it is. Is it meant to be? Um, I no, I don't think it's supposed to be ironic, there. but I do think it's one of the, I mean, I don't know if we've ever talked about it on this show before. It seems like a thing we could do an episode on, which is how the Jedi are as much the bad guys of the original, the prequel trilogy as the Sith end up being. They're just mm-hmm. like they're bad guys in a different way. They're just sort of apathetic and be, you know, buy into the bureaucracy and whole church versus state thing. Anything. Yeah. Well, yeah. Who would have thought two different parties, not yeah. taking care of things on a political <laughs> level. Exactly. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the inquisitors and we've seen, as I said, we've seen them before in, in, Star Wars Rebels, we've seen them in in uh, Fallen Order, Jedi Fallen Order, the video game. This will be the first time we're seeing them in live action. And that's exciting, too, because that means there's going to be lots of good lightsaber duels and that sort of thing. And, of course, it makes sense that Darth Vader would pay particular attention to making sure Obi-Wan Kenobi, his former master, is killed. Uh, and it also sets up, you know, it makes the the duel that they have in the original trilogy that much more meaningful because then that's the culmination of not just their sort of story that's been dormant for 20 years but now their story that is i want to know some meat in the middle i guess yeah i want to know how he arrived that obi-wan was too unique but kenobi's fine i'll just change it to ben and that will that will make me very incognito again you're making some assumptions about how right. much george lucas thought was going to get on the screen when he made that very first movie uh no you're, you're, right, you're right. right uh ben kenobi is not that much uh, but who knows maybe kenobi is as common as of a name as smith you know yeah maybe uh, one thing i like know. about 
you were talking about that like Sith assassin team or the that group or whatever. Yeah, the Inquisitors. One thing, the Inquisitors. One thing I like, and Disney's getting really good at this, I think, with Marvel and Star Wars, is giving things people who know everything. And, you know, kind of, it's not fan service as much, but it's just like incorporating things without like leaving people who don't know these things behind. Sure. And I think that's a, that's really tough to, to do correctly, but because obviously Star Wars and Marvel, like there's super fans that know everything. Yeah. You're one of the ones for Star Wars for sure. Uh, well, I do. I think you're correct. This is a storyline that, that makes perfect sense. If you've only ever seen the movies, if you've never read any of the comics or, or even seen the TV shows, like it makes perfect sense that, in, yeah, of course there's this like core of lightsaber-wielding assassins that Darth Vader is training to go hunt down Jedi, of course. And most of these Inquisitors are former Jedi or, you know, dark-turned Jedi or Jedi Temple Guards or whatever that were trained by somebody else. Of course it makes sense some of them would turn coat and hunt down their former Jedi, you know, friends. Yeah. And, because they, they're just trying to survive. I, but you're, yeah, you don't need to know much for that storyline to make sense and to be compelling, of course. And, and it, the stakes are are built in, right? Yeah, Obi Wan Kenobi is one of the most well known and most beloved Jedi, and now people are going to start hunting him until, and inevitably, they won't be able to get the job done, and Darth Vader will have to step in himself. And of course, you and McGregor teases that this is going to be uh, the sort of the buffer match. It, it yeah. ends up that in the history of Star Wars, Obi-Wan and Anakin took lightsabers to each other three times instead of the two that we've seen on screen, um, which, you know, makes it pretty perfect. Obi-Wan- it's always interesting to me, too, like when they find a way to make a story work when you know the outcome. Yeah. But there's the still thing. Yeah, there's still things they can put in there that that are dramatic and keep your attention. I think that's another tough thing that you have to do and kind of, I guess, I mean, Star Wars has done it before, but the prequels weren't exactly the most successful I mean, stories. I, they, uh, we've talked about this. The prequels did a better job than most people want to give them credit for. It's a Shakespearean story. And it was a story that like now, like look at how big game of Thrones was as a political thriller. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was ahead of its time in the sense that it was a political drama, a Shakespearean drama that people just like at that moment weren't, didn't have the palate for after the nineties. That's, most most movies in the 90s were so digestible that while there are certainly yeah. problems with the Star Wars prequels... Well, they were all just John Grisham novels. Exactly. Um, and I will say the one... But I don't want to overdo it talking about this because we have a lot to talk about, but the one other thing that's exciting is Deborah Chow acknowledges that obviously part of this story is that Obi-Wan is on Tatooine to protect Luke. But that's that's where the story starts. That's not where the story ends. And so hmm. there are screenshots of different locales. It looks like Obi-Wan might be going back to Coruscant. It looks like Obi-Wan might be going to some other planets in his attempts to... I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? That if if the Inquisitors start showing up on Tatooine, his best move is to run and draw their attention away from this valuable target, which is Luke Skywalker. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, so that when the when the big bad Darth Vader shows up, it's not like, hey, why is he on this planet? It's he's hopping around from deserted planet to, you know, from planet to planet to elude detection, not uh, not. Hey, maybe I should go back to the place I'm from. And that's where my son is. (laughs) My son is in this familiar, (laughs) this familiar place where I, you know, my family grew up. So anywho. Excited to see that. Obviously, the other Star Wars property that got a big push with with uh, Disney Plus Day was the Book of Boba Fett, which is 
imminent. It's coming out in December. And, we, and I don't know if you've looked at the calendar recently, Chops, but it's November. That's soon. <laughs> That's actually happened to me this uh, week. So Cleveland Guardians, the baseball team, they're officially changing their name yeah. on November 19th, which is tomorrow. It's Friday. Then right. they're the revamped team store, all this stuff. And uh, it was funny because I read that and I was like, what, they're going to wait all the way until November to do it? Why not just do it now? And then I was like, oh, wait, oh crap. That's two days away. I read it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. So the book of Boba Fett, you know, people have been a little bit, it was, it was a shock reveal at the end of Mandalorian season two, that this book of Boba Fett was going to be coming out. And we've heard so much about it and that it's going to be tie into some of the storyline of the Mandalorian. In fact, it's going to be numbered to suggest that it's part of the Mandalorian series. It continues that numbering scheme and that naming scheme for episodes. Okay. And that it tells the story. Uh, it's hard to tell if it's going to be telling the past story of Boba Fett, which I think is what everyone assumed. I think there will certainly be flashbacks. There's the question of how he survived the Sarlacc pit, etc. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they're setting up Boba Fett to do what Boba Fett did in Legends, which was that he became the Mandalore after his people were sort of shattered and, and spread apart, that he became, he went from being this bounty hunter to kind of becoming this leader of a, a, a renewed Mandalorian people. Who knows? Because certainly the setup was that Din Djarin has the Darksaber, that Bo-Katan really wants it because she thinks she's the person who should lead. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is going to tie into that story more than we would have expected Chops, you know, for somebody who doesn't know the sort of Legends material and, and seeing the the trailer, uh, this is, I think, the third trailer we're getting for Book of Boba Fett. What were your impressions? Are you excited about it? Do you do you care about it at all? Like, what's, what's your impression? I think Star Wars and Marvel are both on this track right now where... There are people who, if they, basically whatever they put out live action, we're going to watch. Yeah. And I'm definitely in that group. So I'm definitely going to watch it. I, you adding more context about what exactly, how it exactly like kind of plays in links up to the Mandalorian and everything that makes me more excited for it because I don't know the, when I first saw the previewer, I, I was thinking like, is this just kind of coattail riding off of the Mandalorian? Oh, the Mandalorian's so popular. Let's just, the people people have always loved Boba Fett. Let's just make it, you know, do it in the same style as that. But it is, if it's more intertwined with the actual storyline, I think that will uh, make it better. One thing is it Tam- Tamura? Yeah, Tamura. Tamura Morrison. Is he getting a little old for some of these? It's probably helpful that he's got a helmet on most of the time as Boba Fett. Cause when they, when they showed him, it's just like, I don't know if this guy is going to be able to pull off like the action type stuff, but I guess with the helmet on, it's going to be okay. And I'm, I'm okay with him playing the part. It makes sense, yeah. but it was just something that popped into my head. Remember when he made his, his return in the Mandalorian. I mean, certainly there was a stunt guy doing some of the heavier lifting, but like he was in there looking real intense you know, at the ends of those sort of shots of him beating the ever-loving hell out of stormtroopers, like <laughs> right. So maybe he can pull it off. I don't know. I yeah. just that, that popped in my head. And he would be. I mean, how old would that character be? He'd be approaching fifty, sixty, at least in yeah, the canon. I mean, and you have to consider that even though Tamora Morrison's a little older than that, like, but but boy was in the belly of a sarlacc like he's gonna look kind of rough <laughs> grizzled uh, grizzled yes. yeah so i mean i your point's well taken i do think in a way that might play into the fact they're having him be a little bit more measured and a little bit 
more on that note i like the vibes you're getting where he's like he's talking friendly but it doesn't sound very friendly the the little drop especially at the end when he's talking to those people and she uh right whatever she kind of talks for him Yeah. yeah it's I, I, I like that vibe. Yeah, that then, that is then, something I'm interested in. But then he, all he has to do is put his hands up and says, please speak, speak freely. There is a sort of implied threat in that, which is like, no, I'll let you talk. I'll let you dig your own grave. I think the yeah. thing that's exciting about <laughs> Those doors it, are locked. And it doesn't really matter what you say. Yeah. I think the thing that's exciting is, first of all, I think it's going to, we've talked about this with the first two seasons of The Mandalorian, that the thing that's neat about these series is that it's digging into this whole part of Star Wars history that, deserves flushed out, being flushed out but has not been touched in the mainline films about the Mandalorian people and their history and it's cool because it's going to continue to ask the question what does it mean to be a Mandalorian because now suddenly mm-hmm. he's this this vicious bounty hunter most terrifying presence in the galaxy it appears I mean he's a mob boss potentially but he also might be a just ruler we don't know yet And I think the other thing that's exciting about it is it's delving into this other world that has always been implicit in Star Wars, which is the criminal underworld. You've always gotten tastes of it with Jabba. Certainly in the animated series, there's more talk about the Black Sun and the Crimson Dawn syndicate in Solo, a Star Wars story. I think it'll be interesting Mm -hmm. to see how those storylines get flushed out a bit, too, because that's a very to me, a very interesting, untouched part of the, the universe. I like that too because it, it it breathes the world out a little bit more and makes it wider and it's it, it's like the right thing that would be happening because yeah. if you think about all the political unrest in this world of course it would be a great time to be an organized crime because they're so busy the people who are actually in charge of things well and from a storytelling standpoint you've said this yourself and, and we've bickered a bit about it but I don't disagree like Star Wars can't always be about Jedi and it can't always be yeah. about a Skywalker. And I think this is a really, the Mandalorian. <laughs> what if proved... at the end he's like, my name is Boba Skywalker. <laughs> my name is Boba Star Wars. <laughs> I, but I do think to your, to that point, it's this, this whole untouched, really interesting set of storylines about the Mandalorians and, and organized crime that are as much a part of the Star Wars galaxy as the Jedi were, right? The Jedi mm-hmm. weren't the only thing shaping the galaxy and the Sith. There was this other faction or these other couple of factions, if you want to look at it that way, that were changing things. So no, it'll be it'll be interesting to see the, how that plays out. And he's just cool. Yeah, Boba oh, Fett's just cool. Boba they, Fett's just cool. <laughs> have you seen the preview for that? I think it's already out. But that under the helmet, the legacy of Boba Fett, the yeah. documentary on Disney Plus. Yeah, they're just like he's barely in the movies <laughs> and he barely talks, and everybody loves him. <laughs> he's oh, just yeah. cool. It's it's just this bizarre thing that he's yeah he's finally getting and in Legends he always got more attention and even in the new animated stuff like we see a lot of the exploits of a younger Boba Fett like a teenaged Boba Fett starting his own sort of ring of mercenaries which is cool mm-hmm. but yeah you don't really get to see you don't really get to see that in the movies ever you see him for you know a total of I think it's ninety seconds or two minutes in the films. And, so, and he was introduced in the holiday special, right. which we might get to at some point this year. Yeah. So anyway, it'll be it'll be cool to see some of his story flushed out and and where they go with that. And then the big trailer drop, which was not associated with Disney Plus Day, but came 
virtually right after it. I mean, it is associated with Disney. <laughs> it's yes, funny, yeah. yeah it's like, it, but it wasn't. It was for <laughs> as big as it was. They kept it separate from Disney Plus Day. Well, and they they were very clear at the end of this trailer that like exclusively in theaters. Yeah, you're not getting this on Disney Plus anytime soon. And of course, what we're talking about is Spider-Man: No Way Home, which that trailer dropped just a few days ago, and. I don't know that anyone was not excited for this movie, but boy, does it give you a whole lot to chew on in this trailer. <laughs> it really does. And it, it's bringing, you know, we've been leading up to this with all these different properties, WandaVision and Falcon the Winter Soldier, I guess, didn't really touch on it. But Loki has some things going on that are that are strange, too. And then we we all know that it's all kind of leading up into one I'm really excited for the the multiverse of madness, the new Dr. Yeah. Strange movie that's coming out at some point, because that I, they say it's supposed to be kind of like a straight horror film, which yeah. I think is another interesting thing. Marvel's done is kind of dive into different genres, like full on. Like I think Thor Ragnarok is a comedy. Oh, it is. So for sure. yeah, it's a buddy. Yeah, it's a buddy so film, I mean, basically, right. So, so I'm excited to see, yeah. What can you do if you try to make a more of a straight line, horror movie so it's gonna so then then there's that and then of course there's the idea of multiverses and bringing in all these beloved characters from the other well beloved some of them sure. I, I don't know if anybody needed to see jamie fox do electro again at least not based <laughs> on amazing spider-man 2 sure. but they at least got his costume closer to the to yeah. the uh comics so that that's interesting but really um willem dafoe and alfred molina they're both really good in just about anything they're in so to see them again then the first the teaser one for this and then this week the bigger one but when he hello peter that that was yeah. the highlight for me in both the teaser and the big one but i will say follow up the moment in the trailer where where doc ock goes wait a minute you're not peter parker is very yeah. is very cool because it it plays into this idea that these villains that are making up the sinister six which don't let us go past this without me talking about the sinister six for a second i had I, that in my notes too okay. i was like this seems like it's gonna try to set up the sinister six but let's let's get there in a minute um the thing that i think is neat about it is it sets up that this is not something they are doing they're just like that it, in fact it is peter parker slash dr strange's fault that this is happening mm -hmm. yeah like not even that they like walked into a portal that opened up in their world or something weird like it's that. it's not some it's scheme just like, that they've put together it's that spider-man accidentally set them up to all arrive here at the same time and they're like well since we're here <laughs> since since yeah. we're since we've all been foiled by spider-man and now he's Our given us a second shot to, yeah yeah our purpose is to take down spider-man so let's go for it yeah i think that's that's pretty i think that's pretty interesting and also you know how we talked about Marvel What If, and we talked about how, like, is this going to have any impact on the main story at all? Probably not. But I'll tell you, that Doctor Strange episode of What If feels like mm -hmm. it's playing into this idea in this one, which is there are certain inflection points that you can't change. And oh. we're getting the impression that that might be the case with the story of Peter Parker, that they're either somebody's, you know him be his identity being revealed or those people close to him dying like that those things might have to happen are they gonna have jay jonah jameson uh from multiple timelines but he's well, it's uh what's his name jk simmons yeah. is gonna just play all of them I, yeah <laughs> probably much i think that would be <laughs> funny on the topic of what if real quick yeah. i didn't like how it ended with actually all the things do matter and they're all connected and, blah, 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 and it's like well 
that's kind of like i thought it destroyed like the whole idea of like these are just random things where it's like actually something could happen where everything is destroyed i mean and the universe you do know about is in danger yeah i don't know I mean, we could, that's a different discussion maybe for a different time, but they had to set it up so that some of it could, like that they could pick and choose some of it to use in the future if they wanted to, right? They had mm -hmm. to set it up that way. Probably. Well, and again, it seems like they may be that this, this storyline about, uh, you know, inflection points in time and that there are certain things that just can't be changed, like that might be ap applicable to this story because it certainly seems like Doctor Strange... The what if does seem like a really good another good bridge to we're doing this multiverse thing people we're giving you a lot of runway before yeah. we take off <laughs> correct or before you land however you want to look at it but where this is where we're going so you're in and this will be the first like really big broad one to it and then yeah we'll see what they do that's that's another thing you notice in this trailer is like it's always yeah there's going to be the story in this movie but like this is a big story movie. This is going to keep things moving along on the big plan for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, and you and I talked about the fact that this movie almost has to be a two and a half hour, three hour movie if it's if it's setting up as much as it is. I mean, you made the point they don't have to do origin stories, which is true. But boy, the amount of stuff that is packed into this trailer makes me think this is not going to be some 90 minute romp. It's going to be either it's going to be a huge movie that is long enough to be resolved or it could be that this spills over into into mm -hmm. multi multiverse of madness in some way shape or form we don't know yeah and i feel like they they love they've been using spider-man this way captain america civil war was another one like that where it was like this is actually the big story it's just technically a standalone movie right. spider-man's always they've kind of been doing that with him especially with uh far from home where that was like our hey here's the full explanation of what the blip really was right and this movie is gonna so that was big so yeah i think that's a good idea to to keep that in spider-man because you mentioned this off before we started that like it's the biggest property it's the most popular one always so it's it, always it, been the money maker that's why yeah, this whole so, Disney Sony feud over who gets to keep it is is as big as it is. And in yeah, fact, that's why getting the rights to Iron Man wasn't difficult when right. Marvel, when the cinematic universe started. And as you and I have discussed, Sony recently announced there will be a Sony Spider-Man movie in 2023. And so, what does that mean for this movie? Like, <laughs> are they? And gonna, is there gonna is there another Into the Spider Verse coming out too? Uh, I don't have, know that off the top of my head. Wouldn't surprise me I as well either. received as it was. Right. But, that and. So there you go. <laughs> the thing that I think is interesting vis-a-vis um, -vis the Sinister Six, which we've talked about, I think, a little bit before, they have now shown us five of the six members of the Sinister Six in the trailer. We know Green Goblin, we know Doc Ock, we know Electro, we know Killer Croc, and we know Sandman. Um, but there are a lot of candidates for that sixth member. The, I was looking that up. It says the original was organized by Doc Ock, and it was Vulture, Electro, Mysterio, Sandman, and Craven the Hunter. Mm -hmm. Vulture does exist in this universe. Correct. Mysterio does exist. Remember. Yeah, he's the Yeah, I know he jump. exists, but what happened to him well, at the he end? Well, he quote unquote died, but we're in a multiverse. The whole point is that the deaths don't matter and that Mysterio could have very easily faked his own death to yeah. out well, Peter Parker. Is Mysterio always like a fake or is... 
is that was that just in this universe? You know what I mean? Like where he didn't really have superpowers and he was using that fleet of drones to make things. Um, I don't know that he's always a fake, but I think the point of Mysterio is that he's he's crafty, he's shifty, and that he <laughs> is an illusionist. Because I believe in the comics, his thing is that his he's a professional magician and illusionist who then also becomes a supervillain. So he's almost a so, Batman yeah. in that way that he's not necessarily super powered. Or a Tony Stark, for that matter. He's just a super genius who has figured out how to give himself, yeah. you know, nigh on magical powers. In fact, he works with the former Stark employee, Precisely. the one that Obadiah yells at. Yeah. Tony Stark was able to make this in a cave with a box of scraps. <laughs> so I think the point is, is they're leaving that because it could be Mysterio, it could be the Vulture, could be Venom. We don't know that there's, an, you know, could be keeping in mind that venom was in the toby Maguire spider-man and yeah. it's possible he could be here it could be tom hardy's venom it might not be tom hardy's venom i kind of think they won't go that route because of the the sort of rights of the films and how they're distributed right now i have a feeling they probably won't touch that it's more like those to are be, sony movies right correct it's more likely yeah. to be mysterio coming because in the end then if mysterio comes back and says haha my plot to unveil you worked and i fooled everyone and then they can capture that on camera and put it you know what i mean yeah well they but they also had a teaser at the end of homecoming where vulture was going to team up with the other guy that spider-man put in jail yeah and then that hasn't gone anywhere so i don't know if they're just punting right on that storyline or if we're gonna we'll see the uh tom holland who I don't know. I feel like they use him to because he always used to leak things. So now they use it like against us that like, well, if Tom's saying it, then it must be true. Like yeah. he's like adamant that Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield aren't in this. But but and Andrew Garfield Spider Man is in this trailer. <laughs> he is okay. Yeah. Well, because then there was there there's a cut of the the Brazilian version of this. I've seen this online where it's a little bit longer when the the villains, uh, a number of them, Sandman, Electro, yeah. and the uh, the Lizard, are like at least all in frame, and they're they're on like that scaffolding, right? And you can see the Lizard get hit in his like in the head or something, and he turns around to like see who hit him, yeah. But there's nothing there. And people are like, did they just edit out one of the other Spider-Men sure. for this? Because they've done that before. They've edited their trailers to keep things. Oh, yeah. Well, and of course, there's concealed. footage. Sometimes the trailers are never in the movies. But yes, I know what you're yeah. talking about, where that there's that controversy online right now. Like, is this was this a Spider-Man? And they edited him out because is the wind hitting him in the back of the head? What's going on? So... Yeah, I but know. I feel like they have. To, yeah, I, I. Why would they go through all this and not get the multiple Spider Men? Well, they're going to. Spider-Man well, they have fans. to because then there's that. You know, Doc Ock. Wait, you're not Peter Parker. They're gonna have to have them all team up. Yeah. So that, cool. Because how is he supposed to beat all these guys anyways? Like that's that's got to be part of it too. Yeah. No, it's too many. And it'll be fun, right? It'll be fun to see at least some of the Spider Men all together because that's something that um, Into the Spider Verse pl- played on, right? That. Yeah, there's this multiverse mm-hmm. and there's all these different Spider-Men and occasionally they team up. <laughs> so Yeah, and I, I I think it'd be fun too if they like have them at their like real age. Cause I would love to check in with Toby Maguire's what 40 year old. Sure. Well, <laughs> yeah, because Spider-Man's Spider-Man. always a teenager, right? Or like a young 20s. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it would be very interesting to see the Spider-Man who's 40 and who's been doing it too long or ha- or got out of the game and now he's getting pulled back in sort of situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then the the difference in their powers too, because uh, Andrew Garfield's and Tom Holland's have web shooters, right. but Tobey Maguire is like it's organic from right. his power. Yeah, 
Two more questions for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do you think it's safe because I don't think it's safe the way he flies around. Like if you're saving her, sure. But the way it it looks like he's just having fun with uh, Zendaya is is she Mary Jane in these ones? I think so. Isn't she? I don't know. I had a trouble. Remember I'm you shouldn't have said that because I was having trouble remembering that. (laughs) Well, cause it's the other one. Emma stone is the other one in the amazing Spider-Man Gwen Stacy. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but either way, he's flying around with it and it, and like, they're in the subway. It doesn't look safe to me. I don't think that's something, I don't care how super powered you are. She still has to hold on, which she lets go. I don't like it. I don't think it's safe. I mean, I can't, I don't, I won't argue with that, but (laughs) it's always, there's always been this thing, right? Where he's like, he's whipping around, uh, New, uh, New York. Yeah. He's whipping around New York. I had that moment where I was like, don't say it. The fans will kill you. (laughs) And it's not safe. There's all these G forces at play, like snap. You know, you're you're dislocating people's shoulders, or you're breaking their necks. Yeah, could you, or could you imagine after going on a ride with Spider-Man how your head would feel? Oh, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then my other question was them laughing at my name is Doctor Otto Octavius. Isn't that just the same joke as the Doctor Strange overusing our fake names? Yes, I think it is that Infinity joke. War. By the way, so clarifying point. Zendaya plays Michelle Jones, commonly known as MJ, who is a nod to Mary Jane. Oh, so, okay. So that's why I was like, I don't that's why like, yeah. is she Mary Jane, but they definitely calls her MJ. That's right. probably why. It's, okay. But that almost plays into the sort of multiverse thing in its own way. Doesn't it? That like he, he's falling yeah. for the, you know, he's falling for an MJ, but it's not quite the same MJ. Well, somebody put the, uh, like all three and there's like basically an identical shot of, uh, Kirsten Dunst, Emma Stone, and Zendaya, where they're like falling, and he's re- it's re- in the trailer. This yeah. one with Zendaya, where and he's you know he's trying to get down there to save her, and it's like so yeah. There's definitely parallels between. I mean, that's something you're gonna put in. I this was gonna say, I, I, that, I like, appreciate that people are trying to connect those things as though they're some part of some grand plan, but <laughs> that's just well, a shot that her, has to be in every Spider-Man. Her dad is Vulture. Yeah. Correct. So that's interesting. There's yeah. a lot going on. Anyway. And then, well, and then at the end of the trailer, they do another little bit because trailers need after credit scenes too, apparently, mm-hmm. where they, uh, Dr. Strange says something like, I can't, I can't handle, or I can't take care of this, or I can't fix this or whatever, something like that. Yeah. And yeah, that's where you really get that idea of like, oh, this will be the leap into his movie yeah multiverse of madness yeah certainly you feel that way i will say one shot that i thought was neat from the trailer that's apropos of nothing was just him like soul punching tom holland out of the spider-man suit as he's like trying to run away with the artifact why does he he not oh so you soul punch him and he's no longer in the spider-man suit but he does have clothes on yeah, I, don't I know, think man. he should be naked. Well, but it's the same way when when um the S- Sorcerer Supreme does it to Bruce Banner, does it to, yeah. punches him out of Hulk, like Hulk. I don't know, man, because they can't have naked. They can't just have naked people <laughs> in their in their PG rated movies, bud. I like internal logic. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Do we feel as though we've covered all these exciting trailers? I think we have. Yes. Chops. What do you think of when I say, I think it's time we blow this scene, get everybody in this stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, let's jam. 
anything that's does that strike a note for you at all I, mean, I, I know what we're talking about it does <laughs> not i don't recognize it but for some reason as you said it it made me think of pulp fiction it, okay yeah, yeah yeah that's what i was kind of like the like the samuel jackson and john travolta characters it kind of got me in that in that headspace. If you were a, if you're a fan of the thing we're talking about, you would know that the next line is it's the intro to Cowboy Bebop. Uh which classic anime being adapted into a Netflix original well not original, I guess, a Netflix series. Um a Netflix exclusive series, let's put it that way. There you go. And as we are recording, that is dropping imminently on november 19th and so is that a is that a all one drop or is that a weekly don't know not sure i don't because i know netflix is starting to dabble in that even though they've they've cut their teeth on being the here's everything at once but i think yeah. they are starting to dabble in weekly episodes of certain series i i know you know that we were talking about this today and i know that you at least went out and watched the trailers but you have not watched the original cowboy bebop animated series correct no, I don't know much about it, really. Cowboy Bebop is set in our solar system in the year 2071, and it is in a world in which Earth is no longer inhabitable. There were these hypergates that were used to make travel between the planets much quicker, but when they were first developing the technology, one of the hypergates exploded, destroyed the moon, and made much of the Earth uninhabitable because it's constantly being bombarded by meteorites. So hmm. in this universe, Mars is sort of the hub of civilization, and then there are some of the, you know Jupiter's moons that are inhabitable. People are from those. Ganymede is one in particular that has you know population bases. It is interesting. It, so it's set close enough to our own timeline that. Uh, most of it's recognizable. Obviously, there are spaceships. People do have personal spacecraft. Um, yeah, but it's but yeah, it's not like Dune where it's eight thousand years later. Correct. Or it's it's pretty it's pretty close. It's close enough in proximity that things are fairly familiar looking, and it is the sort of the dirty sci-fi versus the sort of white and silver sci-fi that I think appeals to more people because it's just more realistic right it's it's more mm -hmm. e it's easier to believe that like space is a kind of a dirty like you're stuck in a spaceship for weeks at a time and bathing is you know you have to reserve preserve water and you're going to these it's well, dust-ridden planets and because it's you know cowboy bebop and then you think back to like that's kind of like how old cowboys were yeah. just kind of people out west who yeah sometimes i roll into town but other times i'm just gone for a while it's and very it's, and it's very it's much rugged. that yeah it's very much that sort of and of course in this context cowboy refers to bounty hunters so our main characters are bounty hunters who are going through this i got system. that in one yeah. of the trailers i watched the the girl says we don't get paid if you get shot in the face right and i was like okay so they call him are you the bounty and yeah so I, I picked up on that part and they show of course the wanted posters uh, of the some of the different characters now this won't mean anything to you but appears as though it's hard to tell if this is a remake or a reboot because at least some of the original episodes it looks like are being remade verbatim some of the, the bounties that we have seen in the trailers, and that might be by design that they're trying to show people like, hey, we are taking a lot of inspiration from the anime. Don't worry. I think some people are a little like, so are we just getting the anime redone in live action or is there going to be original storylines? Hard to tell at this point. 
but certainly some of the the, the more recognizable bounties are going to be part of this show which is kind of cool you get to see some of that stuff in live action it's if the trailers are any indication the the uh, cinematography is going to be really stylized, which is cool because it's going to play. Into I can that tell. Role. Yeah, I picked up on that. It's very frenetic, yeah. more in line with like animation. Uh, so I think that's that's a cool way to go. When it, you know, don't do style over substance, but they've got a lot of substance because yeah. they've got a ton of source material. So yeah, if you have the if you have the the eye to do it, be that creative and really stylize it. I think that's a good choice. I will tell you that one of the things that made so. People, some people have kind of a strong negative reaction to anime it, that it's either it's for kids or weirdos or whatever. And I would say that Cowboy people said the same thing about comic books well, 30 sure. years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, anime in Japan, you know, uh, that's a good, a good sort of point of comparison. In the United States, comic books are similar to what manga and anime are in Japan, but comic books. Even with the advent of the Marvel movies, comic books have still never been appreciated as an art form in the way that in Japan, anime really is revered as an art form. It's a serious storytelling medium, or it can be. And Cowboy Bebop was one of the first, in my opinion, to really kind of get that credit as an artsy, as a serious art form, largely because, one, it, it, even though it's fantastical in the sense that it is sci-fi, it plays in ways that make sense in the real world. It's familiar enough to our own time period as to be believable. But the big thing is the music and that, you know, Cowboy Bebop, the whole idea is it's bounty hunter set to jazz. Uh-huh. The, the creator of the series was, was adamant that the music was as big of a part as the story and the animation was. And the composer of the original soundtrack was Yoko Kano. And she had her sort of house band, the seatbelts. The theme song that I sort of, you know, tried to do at the beginning of of this segment is iconic. I mean, if you have anyone who's a Cowboy Bebop fan, you play three notes of that and they're on board and they're excited because it's just so energetic and big and brassy. And Yoko Kano is back to compose the music for this series, which I think is really exciting to everyone because the music is so much at the heart of it. And she has gone on record to say that about one-tenth of the music is that from the original show, but that 90% of it is new to this series, which I think is very exciting because of the huge role that it plays. Yeah, and but you're still going to get some of the things you, you know and love, yeah. and now you'll get new stuff on top of that. How old is the original? It was, it was released in 1998. Okay. So, I mean... I'm just, it's curious. It, I, I find that interesting when... Um, things based in the future get close to that time. Yeah. Like we're the, the second blade runner was 2049, but we're not very far from the first blade runner in actual time. No, even though that was supposed to be so many years in the future. Agreed. I think it's in the 2020s. The first one, the first one set was 2019. I believe. You're right. It is. So because, we're past it. Right. And so this, you are correct that it is interesting. We are now when, when it was released, it was 70 plus years in the future. Now it's 50 years, unless they, they may change the timing for the show. Who knows? But I, I would honestly think about the fact that our headlines these days are full of like private space flights. Taking, I was thinking the same thing. We're, we're not very far from not that far a real. Yeah. <laughs> from colonizing Mars and colonizing moons and, and you know, this hypergate thing. I mean, if, if it's any it's a cautionary tale, if we were to believe <laughs> Cowboy Bebop, <laughs> because the hypergate disaster is a big thing and ruins all of earth. But 
I think that unfortunately the reviews I've been seeing so far this week have been pretty negative, but, and I wonder if that's just the, the remake, the, I don't know. Netflix doesn't have a great track record with live action remakes because the death note comes to mind a lot. People were not happy with that one. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe it's just a little bit of that bias leaking in. I, I saw a thing. Train to Busan is going to be called Last Train to New York in the American remake they're yeah. making. It's a zombie movie. I don't know if you've heard of yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I know but, Train to Busan. Yeah, it's a really good movie. And I like it a lot, too. But people are like, well, you don't you can't remake it. And it's like, well, just like one guy was like, it stinks that I can't like this on the fact that I don't like any remakes as like just a point of like the starting point. And I was like, well, you can't right. don't do that. Then, yeah. Like, I don't know. Then I, you're just as bad as the, like, it doesn't make sense. I, I will say that Laura and I, she had never seen Cowboy Bebop. We knew this show was coming out. So I was like, and she's a person who's like, I don't want to watch anime. I don't care about anime. We watched this and she's like, okay, this is excellent. I'm excited <laughs> for the show. I would, wa- I would try watching more anime depending on what it is. Um, I think it's it, Cowboy Bebop's a gateway drug for a lot of people who, who didn't know yeah. that anime could be a cool art form. I think the show is going to end up probably being a love letter to the anime that real fans will be able to appreciate and maybe the general public won't. And of course, it's hard to know the, who these reviewers are and what they're bringing to the table. And and as you said, what biases, what expectations, like mm-hmm. I'm sure it's going to disappoint in some ways. But it's I maybe I'm wrong to feel this way about because it's how I feel about Star Wars. Like I'm just excited to see any Star Wars being made, even if it's not all exceptional. Yeah, and then it's interesting with with the the amount that it looks like it's going to be stylized, and then you mentioned that it's jazz, and I wonder just how many people will be turned off by like the pieces that make it up yeah. when it might actually be good once it's all put together. Because jazz obviously kind of gets for some people gets a little derided and the stylized thing. I think are people have a harder time diving into them sometimes when it just looks a little too, too off to them. I I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. I think John Cho is charming. So it's good that he's in it. I think the casting's awesome. And I think it's, I'm, I think they've picked the right people at the helm. The music's exciting. I think depending on how much of it is derivative of the original series. Like, yeah, I'd like to see some original storylines, but it will be fun how to you, see some of those in live action for sure. Speaking of John Cho, how do you feel about this? Cowboy and Bebop go to Space Castle. <laughs> I mean, we're going to see it, bud. Probably there's... Maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what if there's an Ashton Kutcher? Or no, wait, that's... I'm thinking of Dude, Where's My Car? Sorry. Uh <laughs> Uh, Neil Patrick Harris and uh, Cal Penn. Yeah, are thank the two you, guys. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? That would be fun. That would be fun. I don't know if there's a. I, I mean, I'm sure there's an avenue for them to show up somewhere. Probably won't, but it'd be fun. Uh, I don't know. I like I said. I mean, I'll I'll withhold my judgment until I actually see it. But I'm excited for it. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that if you are a fan of the original series, you're going to get something out of it. The little plane on their big spaceship, is that a space plane or a, it's a atmosphere plane? No, it's a, I mean, it can fly in atmosphere, but it, it is uh, called the Swordfish, and it was originally a racing ship. Um, so it's kind of in the way that the, so the, the big ship is called the Bebop. It's a former fishing vessel that can do in atmosphere or in space. Okay. And the swordfish, the smaller, the red ship that's that Spike flies, is a 
a former racing vest. It's the Swordfish 2. Sorry. Purists out there will gargle. It's actually the Swordfish <laughs> 2. And it also can operate either in atmosphere or in space. All right. Well, so, that was something that stuck out to me when I was watching the trailer. Oh, and that's like, cool. What's that for? That's cool. Just to see those things in, in like the brilliant animation CGI is really cool, too. Because mm-hmm. it... Again, as you sort of mentioned, we're not that far off from that being potentially a reality. And I guess it's just maybe it plays in. Maybe this is where this stems from. But you know how you have people talk about, oh, if I had three wishes, one of my wishes would be to have a spaceship, man. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if that started with with probably Star Wars and Cowboy Bebop, but I I don't know. Give me a spaceship. Maybe they'll wink, wink us and slip in Jeff Bezos's penis ship somewhere <laughs> into the wreckage, background as wreckage somewhere, yeah. maybe yeah <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah anywho so i i think it's gonna be fun we'll we'll bring you know once it's out and we've had a chance to digest it we'll we'll let you know what we thought interested to know what uh you fans out there are excited for i mean there's you and i chops have talked about this there was uh, during the pandemic and sort of the months after the first wave right where everything was getting postponed and everything was getting pushed back and now it seems like everything's being released all at once. There's so much media that's coming. There's a lot to be excited right. about, I guess. And we're in one of those seasons. You know, the summer is a big one, and then right around Christmas time is another yeah. big season for releases. So, and we're the, the Spider-Man one comes out in December, right? Yeah, I, yeah. It's and yeah. and Book of Boba Fett is again right right around the corner. Yeah. So, folks out there listening, tell us what you're excited about. If we didn't talk about it now. We should talk about it in the near future. Let us know. Uh, you can do so by going to Twitter. Our handle is at nerd underscore associ, N-E-R-D underscore A-S-S-O-C. You can also email us nerd at gmail.com. Let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about, or maybe even come on and be one of our nerds. Thanks for listening. And we will talk to you next week. <laughs>